actually one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you to come on is because I think out of out of all the my friends I think that you're one of the people that's changed the most oh really yeah and oh. and I, I think that changing is hard and I think that when people change generally they have gone through things that are hard and painful I think do, do you I, think so I, I, I'd agree I'd agree I feel like you can when things happen right big events like the ones you're talking about like you can go you, you can go you, you know you can kind of choose like which direction you want to go yeah so you're talking about like when you first met me compared to like now yeah so oh, that makes sense <laughs> I mean we were yeah. I mean we I think I mean we were I think we were both very different people back then I mean right. um right because we met at church no well we yeah you're right group. we met at alice's place alice and audrey's home group on television yes that's right back in the day that was like how many years ago that was like i back think in 2018 2018 maybe yeah maybe 2019, 2019 maybe yeah, 2019. Like early on so actually it's like not yeah. it's not as long ago as it feels it feels like it's been yeah. longer than that right right that period of time so i was going through my journal right i didn't go that far uh -huh. but like a lot of what i was saying later on the next couple years was like reflecting back on that time like oh, okay like it was just grieving like a lot of people that entered my life during that time mm -hmm. you know and yeah it, it was interesting to see that because i was just scrolling through it over the past two hours because okay. i was looking for content for uh -huh. you and it was just like interesting to see my progression like over the years it went from like you know just the, the stages of like grief i'd say mm -hmm. not like i lost like not like people died but like it was like grieving relationships yeah yeah i think the, as i get well, I think, uh, yeah, as I get older, I see a lot of people, well, I think not only do we grieve the loss of relationships, which is always a valid reason to grieve, but a lot of times we're also grieving a loss of our innocence. I, I, I think mm. I, I've, I've seen that, where it's like you have, you have a certain vision of how you think life is supposed to go, and oftentimes that's tied into relationships, mm -hmm. and when people don't respond how you thought they would respond and you lose friendships and you lose um like romantic partners um mm -hmm. or things don't go well with family mm -hmm. you, you do like you, you are in, you're in on one hand you're grieving the loss of the relationship on the other hand you're grieving losing this idealized view of how life was supposed to go if that makes sense oh you're so right yeah. you're so right like i feel like even a year ago i was so innocent like looking at my future like it's so bright and then in like two months like my entire team got cut off um, you know like it's like nobody really knows how things are supposed to go you know but when you first met me i feel like that was like oh, i feel like you were like in your helper you, you were just yeah. helping everyone and i feel like you wanted to help me too and that was when oh man i was just like wilded like i just like finished my relationship of like three years and yeah. i was just like so okay i don't want to say i was desperate yeah and like i was like with that guy from my from new zealand who had a girlfriend in new zealand who was like literally like the cause of so much drama in my life and um, like it involved like my roommate mm -hmm. like so many people and it was just like why was i like doing that but you know now i understand actually like looking back it was like it was just i was like desperate for any glimmer of like love like mm -hmm. literally anything and that's like i feel like a lesson that was like pretty hard for me to learn like sometimes it's just not enough you know like even though love is there right like some people just aren't capable of like giving you everything right mm -hmm. and even if it was like real even if it was like meaningful 
sometimes it's still not good enough. And especially if it's hurting someone else, like across the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, then you feel guilty about it or something. It always feels like something's off. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy period of time. So, um, at, at what point did you realize, like, at what point did you realize, oh, that's what, what was going on? Like, how long did it take for you to realize like oh this is why i was like that and this is why i was doing that like oh like when i realized like the reasons behind what yeah. i was doing was after like actually maybe like two years of therapy <laughs> like two years of therapy actually because of i started going to therapy because of what happened at church like mm. later on yeah um it was actually paid for by like i think alice so kindly and someone else um yeah, yeah so two years wow. quite a while yeah so um well, I mean, it sounds like therapy was, in some sense, a, a pivotal moment in your life. Like, just t can you can you talk about like how therapy changed changed your outlook and your perspective on yourself? And yeah, yeah. So I met Kim, my therapist. Like, she was like one of the I think she was like the third person I called who like called me back. And honestly, like after a few years, like she's become like like a mom like oh it sounds so bad right because you're not supposed to cross those boundaries yeah, yeah. you know she, and she hasn't and we mm -hmm. haven't but mm -hmm. it's like she's like that source of like advice you know comfort everything for me yeah like the the older opinion because i have a lot of friends right my age or slightly older whatever but mm -hmm. she's like you know kim has so much life experience she's a therapist <laughs> like she's like you know she just knows a lot so she's become like that that support for me and you know when i need like uh, it's it goes beyond just advice right it's also just like it's like another person to help you sort through like your tendencies to help you understand yourself basically because like i think back then i i didn't understand what why i was doing those things mm -hmm. you know you just kind of like do you it was like college i was just like of course yeah i want like the cute boy mm -hmm. you know um and I, I want these things and i was someone's like i just didn't understand why i did those things but Kim really helped me sort out like, okay, like what is the reason behind like why why you did that and why like to this day like you have some tendency to like I don't know be passive or like to I don't know like seek validation like mm -hmm. just all of the reasons behind it right and understanding that like really helps me like realize like oh like in this instance like what I'm actually feeling but what do I what do I really really want mm -hmm. that that's different than um, the immediate tendency, I'd say. Mm, yeah, so... I explained that so poorly. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. Well, I, I think, I think, well, I think I understand where you're getting at. And maybe, maybe we could help, um, you could help make it more concrete with an example. So, like, I, because I, I think what you were saying is that, hey, there's some behavior that I'm doing in the present moment, but what I'm really asking for is something else, is something else right, that's deeper. Right. And so you might want to, like, I guess, give an example Jeez. of that. Let's see. Well, recently, um, I've been doing a lot of work like this in my relationship. Mm -hmm. Like therapy has helped us so much. Mm -hmm. um, recently, we had an argument, and it's all. It always starts over something small, right? Like, and it was over. I think what I I wanted him. Oh, because like I had my Christmas presents for our friends, like and sorted into piles for each person, and he labeled his. He's very organized. Uh -huh. I'm not. And um, like I come back and I see like this random like gift lying around. I'm like, oh shoot, I don't know who that is. And I panic. And I'm like, oh no, what if like all these piles are like 
how am I going to figure out who is this for who? Oh shoot! Like there's no there's no name on it, and so right. you don't know. You, you, have, well, you, you could just open it and rewrap it, right? No, it was so much work. It was like fifty. No, it was so much work, and it was like this like super cute like I actually have it right now, but it was a super cute like polar bear wrap. Anyway, anyway, that's besides the point. Um, so if you, I was, want, if you want to show me, you go yeah. You oh, but me. these are wrapped so badly. It was actually just, like, it was this exact gift. This okay. exact gift. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it wasn't labeled. And so I was just like, okay, like, can you make sure um, when you pick one up, just put it back where you found it? Okay. And then he was like, well, why don't you just label them? And <laughs> <laughs> like every single time. And then like we talked about it a little more, right? And then I brought up like, okay, like the other day, like I noticed like both of my umbrellas, one is in your car and then the other one was in your deep in your shoe closet somewhere. Like if you were, it, it's mine, right? Like, can you just yeah. like, let me know, like, if you wanted to store it somewhere. Because he's yeah. pretty, he's very organized, yeah. right? I'm not. Yeah. And um, he mentioned something that sounded like an attack. Like, I felt like it was, like, about, like, how he just found it. What if he, oh, he was like, what if I find something just lying around? Like, do I have to ask you for permission for, like, where to put it? Uh -huh. Like, if I just see, like, your laptop on the couch, can I move it to your desk? And, like, in my mind, of course. Of yeah, course, yeah, that's, yeah. like, totally yeah. fine, right? Yeah. But I took it, like, oh, like, it sounds like you're being defensive like you don't yeah. want to like it sounds like a deflection yeah <laughs> right like yeah. like you're telling me you did that because of how messy i am right so i was just like we, we work through that okay like the second he starts like saying stuff like that and i interpret it mm -hmm. that way like i get triggered yeah. i'm like wow you're not owning up to this yeah. like and you know in therapy like for example like perhaps in this instance not i haven't brought this up with like my therapist or anything but i'm assuming like now that I've gone to so many years of therapy, I can like see like, I can notice like, hey, like this specific thing. And maybe it's not even him trying to be defensive. Maybe he really is like just, that's his first thought, right? Okay, okay, yeah. You know, that's yeah. just the truth. But it's so triggering for me. Yeah. And why is that? Yeah. And then it helps me like really understand like myself. And then, so like, I know like in this argument, for example, like I can try first try to understand like, why is he like saying that? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. in his case, like he really was. He really was just trying to like propose a better solution okay and he's like i owned up to it i own up to it i am sorry about the umbrellas you know so it helps me like yeah. you know like instead of just like going off at him mm -hmm. and it becoming even more escalated it helps me like ring it back like okay like let me see like why this is so triggering for me that always helps me at least mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um okay so but we didn't get to the deeper level in the sense that Mm. Why is it so triggering? Do you, how do you, do you know? Can you? Can, it's like sometimes it's hard to articulate, and sometimes you can't really put it into words. But yeah. can can you? Yeah, I think the obvious answer is um, it reminds me so much of my mother. Like to this day, like she doesn't like. It's hard for her to like own up to anything ever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like in her yeah. eyes, she really is perfect, mm -hmm. and of course, no one's perfect, right? Yeah. But I mean, the other day, like my mom said to us during like family dinner that like growing up, I was like a little princess, mm -hmm. her princess. Yeah. I had everything I ever wanted. And my brother was just like, what the fuck? Like, that's not, that is not the case. You yeah. know, I wasn't like, you know, like super, super abused or anything, uh -huh. but like I, I wasn't a princess. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So your mom said that you were a princess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think she just can't own up to like certain things. Um, it's mm -hmm. hard. She's yeah. older. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've, I've. I've seen that like with my parents and um I think that yeah for some reason there are people who can't admit that they're wrong or that they like have any serious flaws and mm -hmm. 
I don't know, for some reason it hurts the ego too much. And I feel like, you know, I can only speak from my personal experience, but I think for me, I had that tendency to, to like be blind to my shortcomings. And I think that, I think that one of the reasons why I did that was because to start to admit that you're like, you're broken or you're not perfect or you have these flaws or you're not, you know, you're not good enough or this and that. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're losing control. It feels like you're losing like your hopes of um, like, I think we, we, I, I built up this image of myself in my own mind of like, Oh, I am, I'm competent or I'm, I'm more right than I'm wrong or I'm smart or I'm this and that because I believe that being that would then like, it was my identity and that it would allow me to reach a certain place in my future that I like, I really wanted to get to. And so I think that when we start, um, or like when I started to have to confront the fact that, okay, yeah, like I'm not as, um, you know, I'm not as smart as I thought I was, or I'm not as, um, you know, good as I thought I was or all these things, I started to have to like then confront the reality that all, all I had to confront all the ramifications of that, of mm-hmm. like what that meant for my future. If like, if I'm not this and I'm not, if I'm not perfect, if I'm not smart enough, if I'm not good enough. And then it, in some sense, I had to like grieve, um, your future yeah like re- like grieve the over idealistic future that i had where for instance like um i think that one of the things that it entails is that okay let's say you admit to yourself that you're not as good as you thought you were then it's then you're gonna have to readjust your timeline like oh i'm going to have it's going to take more time and more work to get to where i really want to be mm-hmm. right but we might have a hope that okay like if I was superhuman, I could get to my goals in like one year, but having to admit to myself, like, okay, wait, I'm not at the level that I think I'm at means, okay, maybe I won't actually achieve my dreams or like ever possibly, or I might, it might take four years instead of like one. And that's like a hard pill to swallow. Like, yeah. Like for instance, some people might want to say like, oh, um, some person might want to say like, oh, I'm tired of being poor. And so I want to like, you know what I'm going to do? I like, I'm going to like do t- like a coding boot camp and become a software engineer in <laughs> right. like six months. Right. And then I bet you by in like by next year, I'm going to be making 150 K and That's I'm going to have a promise co- of boot camp. Yeah. Like and a lot of people did it. Right. But I'm saying that there's mm-hmm. lots of people who have that mentality, but they're really not right. as competent as they think they are. Right. And they're, or they're not as hardworking as they think they are. Right. So then when you kind of attack that, okay. See when you're not even attacking them, like, but you're kind of hinting like, Hey, you know, do you need help with this um, like problem? Yeah, and they're yeah. like, no, I got this. Like I'm smart, right? Because they're no. reinforcing to themselves like that. No, I have this under control. I'm going to get this done. I don't need extra help. Like I can get this all done in six months when they might have to admit to themselves. Like, you know what? I'm not as smart as I thought I was. This is actually going to take me two years. I'm going to have to readjust my, my, my life plans, like push back marriage date, push back, like, you know, all oh, these things. Right, and right. I think when you, things that seem very small are always tied into bigger things that are then tied into bigger things. Right. And a lot of those things are obviously solidified and crystallized when we're like, you know, children of like right. those dreams right. and those those images that, that we have of ourselves. And I think that being a mature person means um, being able to like adapt with new information that's coming in, like mm-hmm. as your environment changes, as your relationships change. And I think a lot of people hit that, like do that in their twenties. Um, 
but some people I think never go through that process of like mm-hmm. breaking down like those identities and rebuilding them, but they just like double down on like, oh no, this is who I am. And they double down and it carries into the thirties and forties. And then they say that once you're in your forties, it becomes extremely hard to change once you're in your forties. You, you become stuck in your ways essentially and your, your brain is less you know, malleable. Um, and so I don't think that, um, you know, it's, it's not to kind of say it's anyone's, it's hard to decide who, who to blame for that. But the point is that, um, the point was that, yeah, I mean, the point is that, you know, I know a lot of people who are 40s and from 40 years old to like 70 year olds, they don't, they don't change very much. Right. right. I mean, yeah, probably it's going to be us too. Like, who knows, right? Like, I feel like all the kids are... Hopefully not. We can try not to be. At least we're aware of that happening, right? So we can be extra aware. Yeah. (laughs) 40, better be open to some criticism, but... I think you're so right. Um, I feel like what's the interesting question for me is like, okay, like, yeah, like I want to do this boot camp and I have these goals. I want to get married by a certain age. I want to make X amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. This is the lifestyle I want. And then it's like that one thought, like, oh, this is kind of hard for me. Like, no, 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 I can't, I can't think that. Like, it's more interesting for me. Like, what is it that, that they're trying to avoid? Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's what was like ingrained in them. It's like so black and white, you know? Like, yeah. if you're incompetent, it means you don't deserve the good life. You know, yeah. maybe it shouldn't be so black, black and white. Yeah. Like, I mean, like just growing up, right. You know, I, I played violin mm. like since I was like really little and like, like four or five, I think. And my first teacher actually said to my parents, like, hey, like she has zero talent. Make her stop. Oh this was in China. God. Yeah, That's yeah, so yeah. Good. And like I got forced into it. I didn't care. Yeah. You know, like because I started piano when I was two in Jordan and like, whoa, Jordan? I, I, I spent a few years in Jordan. Oh, my dad's like job. Um, back then but that was where I began piano yeah and it was like also like I had no choice but I hated piano so much when I was two so I was like okay piano violin violin for sure (laughs) when I was four and then um yeah so like my first teacher was like yeah she really sucks no talent no hope and then like literally like I I obviously continued Mm -hmm. you know my parents made me (laughs) and then a couple years down the line like I've had other teachers basically tell me the opposite Mm. like this is the most talented you know what I mean yeah like it's like it just it can like oh so you're you're talking about black and white like right right like the range of things can just be so everyone's perception is also different right yeah also you can argue like when when you first start it's like like it's just hard to say right like i also had so many years of experience that's why they thought i was like so talented yeah you know everyone's perception is different is what i'm trying to say and like i felt like i just remember feeling like so incompetent at times Mm -hmm. like at random things like math like english whatever it may be and then other times i'm like i feel so good you know yeah it's just been like all over the place it's never like oh your intelligence is just like set you know mm. there's like i feel like it's it's about learning how to learn things mm. right? yeah i i think that well i want to stay on this topic of black and white thinking that that was really important for me in my healing journey um is that i had a lot of black and white thinking and it's hard to say exactly why we do it I think it's because it it simplifies things. Um, like for instance, if I can say, "Oh, like I'm the best at this," then it makes um, I think it takes away a lot of the complexity of life. Like, right, like oh, like right. first, like black and white thinking might be like, "Oh, um, like oh, if it's not this person, then it's no one else." You know, like right. and it makes your life simple because you're like, "Well, it's just this one person. It's always going to be this person." But like. Why is it just that one person? Yeah. Like, what is it about them that makes it so 
makes them so like special. Yeah. Like, well, and then you reinforce it though. Like you, you make a, you you feel that way, and then you make a list of reasons why it has to be that way. And I what I'm trying to say is that it's like you just want that. So you're like making the reasons for it, like after. After the fact. I mean, that's very common in cases that we make decisions based on our emotions, oh, yeah, especially yeah, for feelers, and and then we just justify it with like rationale reasons. later. But, like really, it's just like you're doing what, what you, you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. I can't. Yeah. Yes. But the the point was that the black and white thinking is dangerous. And but we can't say that mm -hmm. black and white thinking has no has no place. I mean we ha we all do it for a reason and I think it's because like the world is too complex, life is too complex to always be thinking about how nuanced and complicated everything is. So for instance, like mm -hmm. you know, there's like this Palestine um Palestine mm -hmm. uh Israel conflict and people are you know, or just like, like people okay. want to paint a bad guy, right? Yeah. But then you—it's so complicated because there's like not necessarily one bad guy. Yeah. Everyone's messed up. Yeah. And everyone has their up. good reasons for doing it. Correct. And also, we try to put ourselves in like we try to feel better about ourselves by saying like, oh, you know what? What I'll do is like I will petition for like a ceasefire. I'm gonna con call my local. <laughs> you know, local representative and just demand a ceasefire. And you know what? They're so evil that they're not like, they're not on board with this. They're not talking to Congress. Congress is not doing this. And like, that's black and white. That's a form of black and white thinking yeah. is what I'm saying is that yeah. you're trying to take a very complex issue mm -hmm. and make it very simple. Like it's like, oh, you don't uh, support the ceasefire. You're evil. That's like, <laughs> yeah. right? that's all you see on social media nowadays. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, we like we do it with our parents. Like it's like, oh, like, you know, you didn't do this for me, so like you hate me. I'm not saying that like I, like maybe a more mature, immature like let's say teenager might say something like that, right? Or, but the point is that as a child, right? Like I feel like your brain's not developed, so like in that case, it's like you know it's easy yeah. to think that. Yeah, but adult, yeah, but adults do it too, right? Of like for instance, um, people who are married, um, you know, when they approach the end of their marriage, things tend to 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 spiral out of control and. Like people say a lot of nasty things to each other at the end of relationships, um, especially mm -hmm. marriages. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the end, people are just like, "Oh well, you know, you're 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 a bitch, and like you're X, Y, and Z, and you're just like a monster." Like I didn't know you, right. from, like I didn't know who you really were under the right. And it becomes like, right, in order to simplify, like to make the marriage go, the divorce go easier, we then put this person who we did love in like this box of like evil witch, you know? Right, it makes it easier, It makes right? it easier, like and that's my them. point. Yeah, it makes it easier. It makes it easier to like demand like 500K from them, you know, 500K that they don't have. Yeah, know? or justify that, or just say like, tell your kid like, oh yeah, don't talk to your mom. She's like always a liar, like, yeah, and we make it black and white is what I'm trying to say. And so oh, yeah. I had to, um, I have to keep reminding myself to not have such black and white thinking and to like find balance in life. I feel like you're pretty good at that. I feel like you're always every in all of our conversations you're diving into like the complexities you know yeah. I feel like you really understand that well yeah I've had to do that out of necessity but in the past I was a lot more dogmatic mm -hmm. um so like I used to be part of Grace Point you know this, oh that's right Grace yeah Point. it's you know you know hyper hyper um dogmatic church yeah. um and I realized that I I already had black and white thinking tendencies but it just made it worse like everything became more black and white because I was in kind of that type of environment and it was like good and evil right like certain things are good and certain things are bad yeah like there was a lot of that like for example w this would be bad right for Grace Point yeah this like, would be bad intergender hangouts <laughs> yes intergender hangouts like uh, playing video games right. like watching anime it's like 
And they, anime. Wow, well, I mean, well, far. some of that was like not that anime is inherently bad, but just like they would see it as a waste of time. Like, oh, you should, that. yeah. And I mean, in some sense, they're right. Like, I mean, they're they're, they're right about a lot of things, but mm. but again, the problem is not that there's not truth in what they're saying. The problem is in the black and white thinking right. of like, oh, this is never okay, or this is right. always okay, or this is always bad, and um, or it should always be done this way, like no matter what year it is. Like, so I think that all I'm trying to say is that. Um, in my life, I wanted simple solutions. And black and white thinking is an easy way to cope with the anxiety and uncertainty of life. Yeah. That actually, like, that was like a light bulb moment. When you said that for me, like, I think that's so, that makes a lot of things make more sense for me. Like, a lot of people in my life, like my parents, mm-hmm. like, it makes a lot of sense. Because, like, if you were to you know, really see things as they are, right? And mm. I, I would argue that very few things in life are black and white. Mm. Like, I'd say like, oh, when you're harming a child, that that's pretty black and white for me. That's bad, no uh-huh. matter how I look at it. Yeah. But there's like very few other things I can think of that are black, black and white. And maybe, yeah, now that I think about it, it does lead to a lot of anxiety because it's like, you, you have no control over anything. And like, mm-hmm. anything can happen at any moment. Um, and I don't know, it's like, I can just see why like it makes it would make you anxious. Mm-hmm. But what do you think has helped you like the most in combating this way of thinking? Um I mean at some some of it is that I've had to kind of I've had to zoom out and have like met, met, it's called metacognition. So it's thinking about the way that you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's one step in kind of catching and you had kind of alluded to some of those some of that a little bit too which is like the like why am i feeling triggered it's kind of like that but in terms of more cognitively of like self-awareness it's like it's just a self-awareness about how you're thinking about the problems and i think that but like you're like like we're saying if the reason why we if the reason why we resort to black and white thinking is Mm -hmm. is because the uncertainty is so uncomfortable and scary Mm -hmm. that means that one we have to find more peace in that uncertainty so that we don't have to resort to as much black and white thinking Mm -hmm. um two the other thing that has helped me is like more humility i think after after being wrong so many times (laughs) you have to start like i mean i have to start like being more humble like you know like they say like a fool like I don't know, insanity is like doing the same things over and over oh, again, right, something right, like that. Like, that Albert Einstein? Uh, it's a, I think it's a mis- <laughs> attribution to Einstein. But the point is that um, the point is that like when you go through pain again and again, and it's like the same mistakes over and over, mm-hmm. you know, you you really have to like say I don't want to do this again, and you have to start being more humble and saying like, okay, maybe, um, like maybe the way I'm thinking is wrong, and so, like I was saying earlier, we have a choice. We have a choice to double down on the strategies that have worked for us in the past, or we can be open to changing and adapting. And both strategies have their pros and cons. um, But what happens is that sometimes um, the strategies that we've used were actually very good strategies when we were children, but they don't work so well in adulthood. Right, right. I mean, they kept you alive. That's a huge part of what I do in therapy. It was like, it's parts work. So it's like, uh, it's, 
it's like internal family systems. Mm -hmm. So like there's different parts within yourself and mm -hmm. then there's yourself. You want to be acting like based on your self energy. This is what who you are, mm -hmm. like beyond all of these parts. And all of these parts are part of you too. So you want to honor those parts too. Mm -hmm. Those strategies that have like helped you, kept you alive perhaps, mm -hmm. you know, throughout yeah. all the years. And once you, if you, once you like allow these voices, these selves to like come through, you can then like comfort them. Like literally mm -hmm. like you're comforting your inner child and like you okay you hear what they have to say and then and then okay like what do they need from you and sometimes like all they really need is a hug or like just mm -hmm. someone to understand them yeah it's very interesting I, I really advocate for everyone to go to therapy mm -hmm. so what um for you mm -hmm. what helped you make that step to go to therapy and yeah well honestly it was just because like it was just because we had some good friends mm -hmm. who offered to pay to like mm -hmm. have me go to therapy because of what happened that event that happened at living water mm -hmm. yeah and we can we can dive into it um yeah i mean i think like we could yeah if you're if you're comfortable talking about it um if it's important to you do you think if you think that if you want to share about it you can mm -hmm. honestly i just it's really interesting because like i feel like the event itself like was what prompted me to start going to therapy right mm -hmm. and then i found out like kim was willing to like take my insurance mm -hmm. i'm really grateful to this day mm -hmm. like she made an exception she was already like not taking anthems but mm -hmm. she decided to take my insurance and mm -hmm. i had free therapy for like years and years and wow. years yeah it was like i would never have been able to afford it as like a i was doing americorps like volunteering at a shelter mm -hmm. you know i could never afford therapy so yeah i i got it be grateful, you know, to our friends, especially. Yeah. And, you know, like things happen for a reason. Yeah. But like the event itself, I never actually, I don't think I ever talked about it much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very interesting. Like I remember going to her and I was like, this, this is what happened. And I feel this way. And then we immediately dove into like family mm -hmm. and like childhood and like all of oh. these deeper reasons, you know, deeper, deeper things that that one event was like triggering. Wow. So I worked on like, much more than just that one event and mm. to this day i don't know if we talked much about it so i don't know if i have much yeah. to say about it but. yeah so i guess yeah i mean it's well i think that kind of what it sounds like is that the more important um thing that changed the trajectory of your life was being able to go to therapy yeah, yeah. i'd say so i think like it it just helped me so much throughout like the years and i think before like a lot of like what I was looking for, like I realized like it was always I, I'm someone who I think like I used to idealize like like people, like mm -hmm. relationships, friendships. Like I remember like sitting in like English class, like when I was uh, in high school um, and this lady, my English teacher, like she I really do credit her with like changing a lot of people's lives. And later when I started dating her son, I started seeing a different side of her. But yeah. Um, at the time she made us read like a lot of existential philosophy hmm. and like this was like for a bunch of like overachieving kids you know like we just wanted to get into college but she she like made us ponder like the great big question like why are we here what are you doing this for and for me my conclusion was always it was always back then when I was like 16 17 hmm. 18 like it was like it was it was the people like it was love like that was like the one thing that hmm. I could be sure about that like transcended this this life so you were like oh <laughs> i'm doing this for like my insert boyfriend's name at the time or who was that like who I mean, you said love so was it people's names who what, what did that mean for you <laughs> like 
uh, like why I was living. Well, because because I mean, you're saying like, yeah, you're asking the big questions about why, right? right. And you're saying that the answer for you was love. Right. right. But right. at the time, did that for you mean, oh, it's like my boyfriend or it's my mom or it's my brother? Like, what did it, what was it? Um, or was it love? And, was it actually just love in general? It was like, I would say like, it was both, right? Okay. But most, it was definitely very specific people like her son, my boyfriend yeah. at the time, like yeah. he was like, my everything mm -hmm. and we really idealized each other because he had the same exact conclusion okay. after her class and as her son and it's funny we both come from really similar backgrounds mm -hmm. so like similarly you know lacking certain things like yeah. love growing yeah. up and yeah like we we really saw back then we saw like everything as like happiness literally means being with each other like mm -hmm. our living our happy life like in an apartment over lake merritt <laughs> and we take walks around lake merritt every day like that was our vision yeah and that he would like go to college and transfer to berkeley like um like as a sophomore and then we'd finally be able to be together that was um wow. that was our dream and yeah i don't know and the reality hits i guess but so you, so you, so um, you're saying like junior year, or no, senior year, you were still together senior year, mm -hmm. and you knew that you were gonna go to Berkeley, mm -hmm. and you know he didn't get in, and so he was like, okay, but I'm gonna like transfer in two years, and we're gonna like be together, mm -hmm. and so then what was the reality that broke it? I think reality was we we saw each other as like I don't even know. I think reality actually is that we both connected so much over the brokenness in our lives mm. like as kids like we both come from like i'd say our his mom my english teacher and my mom are really similar mm. like but her his mom is a little scarier like <laughs> a little scary a lot scarier actually and his dad too i mean at least with my parents it's like i can understand like when they're doing certain things i can see why mm -hmm. and i can like be like okay like in this case i will kindly just i will just not listen to you in deep inside you know but his parents are harder like to handle mm. i'd say but i mean this woman literally like she was like it was very similar to grace point like it was like she was leading a cult of like high school kids mm. like smart kids yeah yeah um i think that was the reality like the brokenness in our homes was like why like we saw each other as like the only way out mm. like we we had never really experienced that kind of like acceptance that we got from each other mm. um but then when i went when i got to college i started seeing like certain things that he he had these tendencies to mm. right and i could see like why he was the way that he was yeah um like for example like he'd be very he wouldn't allow me to have friends mm. because he felt left out right and it's like yeah like this is a person you used to hang out with 24 7 this is your girlfriend right and she's making friends <laughs> right so i can see why he's like he was really really upset and mm -hmm. really jealous over over that but then it's like i cannot like not have friends right yeah 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 yeah, yeah well that's i mean that's it comes back to that that black and white thinking in the sense that you had said something earlier that i picked up on which is that you had said that for you guys mm -hmm like the other person was your everything right and so if someone else is your everything then they cannot be anyone else's anything well, well no not necessarily that but it's more that if they're your everything then anything that seems to make it more likely that you'll lose them is just right. terrifying right because right, right? it's like so if, right. to risk losing you feel like you're gonna lose everything, and ironically, you make it happen. You, yeah, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, faster. You make it happen faster. Yeah. Faster it happen faster you're so that. afraid of it. I was just talking to my my friend the other day yeah. about this. Like, it's so true. Like everything he was afraid of, he I kept telling him at the time too. This is like causing us to like oh, 
and he but he was like so you know in, in his feelings yeah, right yeah. and in that fear that yeah. like things were not gonna you know oh, it's such a delicate situation out. to deal with because it's like well right like if you tell someone hey the things that you're doing are causing this to actually it's manifest. hard to take that well yeah then yeah. you hear that and you're like oh no it's like getting worse and worse and like it just, <laughs> right. it just it spirals and i think i think being a mature person is being able to yeah one not make one person your everything like i think maturity mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. kind of very true being like knowing that that life is bigger than just you know me and one other person and that it's not really healthy to make one person everything and also to be able to um you know have peace even in that like state where it feels like you're gonna lose everything and right. that's I, that's like a more eastern i feel like more eastern philosophy is mm -hmm. like i don't know if you ever heard of Wu Wei, but it's like yeah i have it's i feel like that's kind of there's like a wisdom in having that but i feel like um in the west i feel like we want a lot more um control of like outcomes mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. yeah i don't know ironic like i was really on that side too of just like oh, i gotta like make sure everything happens the way i need it to happen but ironically it kind of like like we're saying it, it makes all the things that you're afraid of kind of end up happening when you when you do that too so no it's so so true like i still find myself doing that like mm -hmm. the same thing that my ex was doing like i was i'm doing in my relationship mm -hmm. even after years and years and years of supposed girl i'm 26 mm -hmm. and i'm still doing it like and i saw it play out like in real time like like a month ago like just it, it made him so upset and it like it brought him to a point where i just saw how much it was like hurting him like because like i had this deep fear that like oh because this you didn't call me like something little like this means like we're slowly gonna like mm -hmm. you know grow apart but it was it's like that fear that like really causes you to act out mm -hmm. i'd say how do you think you how do you like um deal with that fear oh that's such a great question hmm. how do i deal with that fear That's actually where I was like getting at when I started on that tangent about um like my ex. It was like about how like people were my everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um back when you first met me, like and you mentioned like I changed a lot since then, yeah. right? Like that was like the state I was in. Like I was I believed like I still believed that like because of I think because of what I had with him, mm -hmm. like I still believed like one person or even a couple people. And this time it was my close friend group. Mm -hmm. It was like I, I just believed that they were my everything. Mm -hmm. And then losing that friend group um, because of like drama, like lots of you know like college friendship groups, like they just don't work out. You know um, that was like so hard for me to like handle. Mm -hmm. And throughout that, um, I was like so despondent because like. I was just like my ex it was like my everything i had never known so much acceptance mm. and love you know and they were like that friend group was like my everything so mm. throughout the course of like the drama that happened like because i was like oh shit, like we're devolving like this friendship isn't gonna work out like i i was so depressed and i was constantly like trying to make it work with my ex my second ex who was like in that friend group mm -hmm. that it drove it drove like everyone insane like and i don't mean i shouldn't say insane but it made everyone like so despondent that it definitely like it made it hard for people to even study mm. like it just it harmed everyone's mental health yeah. so much yeah and you're saying that you caused a lot of that um i think we all did yeah to be honest but i think like if i looking back it's easy to say like oh if i had handled it differently um if i knew what i knew now mm -hmm. like i would have 
I would have, I could have prevented that. Maybe we'd all still be able to be like decent friends, you yeah, know, like at least, like, at least, least, yeah, at least be able to talk. Year, exactly. Yeah. Like at least I, it wouldn't have drove everyone to the point of like wanting to kill themselves. You know what I mean? Oh, like, shoot, wow. Yeah. So I think like, I don't know, like that was a pivotal moment for sure in my life. Like seeing how depressed, like my own, like how, how depressed I was, was like making my best friend so depressed mm. that like giving her anxiety attacks and stuff like, and to the point where like we couldn't be be in each other's lives you know so it's like i don't know that was a wake-up call that was like you gotta change like um, something is not right here so yeah that was when like it wasn't i think to this day i still kind of like have that tendency where like i don't know i just i i do love like all of my friends so much and i am so grateful yeah. like to all of these people in my life like yeah. truly like some of the most amazing friends like ever um but it's it's like next time like I'll notice like if my friend does something that like I think if, if it means like if I think it means that they mm. might leave me yeah. that is when I tend to like when it flares up for me like subconsciously yeah like, yeah subconsciously maybe you go first maybe maybe let this build up never bring it up and then let it build up and then mm. you can leave first yeah. you know like catch myself doing that and that's it's hard you know that's insightful I feel um well what I mean is that like let's say like you had this close friend group in the past and um that falling apart was like so painful and mm -hmm. i think that because it was so painful that is like impressed into your like your mind and your body in a way that's like you know subconscious and so yeah. so then when there's anything that reminds you like your, your body remembers that for good reason because then it's like well when those same like warning signs or the same types of things that are happening that preceded that previous pain are coming mm -hmm. the body like feels anxious because it's like trying to prevent yeah it's exactly the body keeps a score it's trying to prevent that from happening again and i think right. um right. Right. i think that that's oftentimes when people are triggered it almost always maps back to some previous pain that they've had uh yeah in the past yeah. yeah yeah you're i think like it makes a lot of sense it just adaptively it makes sense right like yeah. you don't want to repeat the same the same bad situation again but how it plays out is more like oh now like this little thing you know this random thing <laughs> happening is like enough to like make me feel this bad yeah. and i don't want to say i used to always think like oh there's something wrong with you right mm -hmm. if you would react so extremely but that's not the case yeah. I, I i truly don't think that's that means that there's something wrong with us. If we, I feel like we, in fact, I feel like everyone I know, everyone I'm close enough, mm -hmm. like we all have different triggers, like from when we, whether that be like, there is some, like, I think there's something wrong with me or like yeah. I'm not competent enough, like who knows? Yeah, or, you know? um, yeah, I know, I totally agree with you that it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. I think it can be, um, I think it can be a sign that, that someone might need more balance in their life. Like for instance, like mm -hmm. maybe there's, like if there's a person who every time, somebody like cuts him off or something he like mm -hmm. he always like is angry for two hours or he's like he goes up to their car and cusses at them and or even like i watched videos recently of like people get out of the car and they like hit you know they try to destroy people's cars like you know like road, road rage right like so carrie underwood song like carrie underwood well that's a that's a little bit of a different scenario because in that scenario she like the guy cheated on her and oh, so okay. so then she destroyed his car but even that yeah like, it's the same category though of like yeah someone wrongs you so then you you destroy all their stuff and, and <laughs> all their stuff well but, yeah anyway like yeah so it can be a sign that you need more balance right and i think mm -hmm. healing from that trauma can make you more balanced mm -hmm. but 
when balance as in like what, what do you mean by balance uh yeah that's a good um clarification question so what i mean is that some people we were talking about like large reactions to small like seemingly small things oh right okay. and so so an overreaction tends to mean that you're not like that the reaction is disproportionate to the magnitude of the um of the event or like the um the stimulus the stimulus the that's exactly the word i was looking for the stimulus and um so what i was trying to say is that for some if someone's always overreacting it might mean that there's something wrong but not necessarily. And you had said that, okay, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you when you get triggered because, well, everybody gets triggered. And you're right, every, everybody has different triggers, but also everybody's response is um, different. Like some, like a lot of people respond with anger, but some other people, they might respond mm. with like depression or like, you know, uh, shutting down or like right. Um, right. maybe over being overly positive about something that should be negative, right? Or like they'll just like be apathetic. And so right. what I mean is that like, it doesn't mean that there's something necessarily wrong with you because for, for people who have an overreaction, um, it might mean that that they just hold a value more strongly. So, like for instance, like let's say um, let's say like somebody um, like gets like blows up on you every time you like eat meat or you like you hurt an animal. Like they mm -hmm. might like in some sense like people will look at them and they're like, oh, there's something so wrong with that person because they're trying to control everyone because they want them to all be vegetarian and like be animal lovers. Yeah. And in some sense like you could look at that as oh there's something wrong with them. But on the other hand, they feel so strongly because they value something that's good, which is like I value compassion towards like other intelligent life. And so right. so every time someone's like overreacting, it generally means they're trying to protect something that they value. And in this case, um, but like I was saying earlier, maybe it's not balanced. Like maybe, for instance, like too much of their identity is like wrapped up in in this value right, or right. something like that. And so um, when we say like, when we look at ourselves and we think, oh, there must be something wrong with me, what we might not see is that... Um, is that I have this reaction that sometimes like hurts me or hurts others, but mm. it's because there's a there's like a beautiful side to it, and mm. and we have to like try to find what that beautiful side is, mm. and see if maybe we can shave off some of that negative with without losing the positive. But sometimes, yeah. um, sometimes, like that's a great way yeah. to like think about things. Yeah, like... but you can't. But but you also can't. Uh, there comes a point where you can no longer. Like, if you shave off any more, you lose some of the strength of it, if that makes sense. How so? So, like, for instance, let's say, like, um, let's say every time you, like, see a, a homeless person, um, you, like, you, I don't know, you, you really feel, like, compassion and you're, like, sad and it, like, makes you sad for, like, two hours and you feel guilty and you're, like, oh, like, I wish, like, I should have just helped that person because they, they, like, I don't know their story and they might need help. Um... So then, like that type of person is more likely to like actually help because it it because it feels so bad like they feel so strongly about it. Mm -hmm. After you live in that state for a while, you feel like there's there's a cost to these things. Eventually, you come to the realization that okay, if I always help these people or if I always feel bad, like it hurts my life in other ways because it takes away my energy and my my resources that I could be putting to something else like investing in myself. And so what you have to do is you have to 
you have to kind of dial down those feelings a little bit. And what I'm trying to say is that there comes a point where like, like it, let's say you dial it down all the way so that you can just walk by and not feel anything. Well, like that gives you the capacity to then invest that energy towards something else like your family or like your career. But you know, you can't get anything for free. And so if you, if you take it all the way down, um, you will lose, like you, you, you necessarily lose some effectiveness, I think. Like I will feel nothing when I walk past like yeah. people that clearly need some compassion. Yeah. Or I'm not, uh, so what I'm saying is that, um, what I'm saying is that there comes a point where you start losing some of that in the sense that like ultimately, like we talked about having balance, like there is a middle ground that's maybe the most appropriate. But what I'm saying is that um, you can't expect to retain your identity and all the positive traits that you have. Mm -hmm. And like um, with none of the consequences, if that makes sense. Like for instance, like the, let's say the person who's like highly zealous about vegetarianism or like Mm -hmm. environmentalism, Mm -hmm. like so much so that they annoy their friends. Right. Like they might say, okay, I'm tired of losing my friends. So therefore I'm going to shave off this negative, like side effect of my compassion. But in, in not being so strong of a advocate where you never step on anyone's toes, I think you necessarily lose some of that zeal and compassion that, that is a strength. So you like, you, like you can't get rid of all your weaknesses and hope to retain all of the strengths is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I see what sense. you're saying. There's always a cost. It's kind of what I'm saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So which path do you go down? <laughs> well, and I think that that's up for everyone to decide in the sense that we all have... Um, you find the middle path? The you, you don't always find the middle path. And that's like the interesting thing is that you could choose a life of taking the middle path on all of these different things. Like, let's say you like, I don't know, you really, you, you, you strongly value honesty and compassion and hard work. Mm-hmm. And you say, I'm going to be like 70% in these three. Well, that's like one option, but the other option is that you really do go like 100% in like some certain value. Mm -hmm. And that is up to you to decide if that makes sense. Like, for instance, like, um, like there will be a cost to living that life, but there's only certain things that like, you can only achieve certain things if you're that dogmatic sometimes, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. It's just, why, hmm, I guess I'm, I'm once again, like, more interested in, like, why, what makes you want to be so zealous about, like, a certain value in the first place? Like, mm-hmm. at the cost of, like, you know, balance, at the mm-hmm. cost of, like, you living, like, a good life yourself. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I think everybody has a story, and I think almost okay. always, even if indirectly, the things that we highly value come from our story Mm -hmm. i would say that part of it also is like just genetic or maybe even metaphysical Mm -hmm. if you believe in such things like a soul or a spirit like sometimes people like you know you have a baby and you realize like this you can you can have twins right you have twins and like they're just like they can be so different in their um demeanor or their whatever you call it when they're when they're even infants and you kind of see that kind of stay the same even in their infancy and their adolescence And so it's hard to say exactly what makes people who they are, but part of it is obviously the upbringing and the genetics and this other metaphysical identity thing. Um, And so I think it's a combination of all of those. 
I see. I see. But then we, but then also, but then part of it is like that agency that we talk about of like, okay, hey, we're hitting these defining moments in our lives. And you had said that um, we get a choice of like which path to go down. And I think that right. what I see in, I, I was, I've been watching a lot of Star Wars this year. Oh, have you? But it applies Are you watching to- watching or watching for the first time? For the first time. Well, I've watched the movies before, but I've been watching the, um, they have more of an extended universe. And so I've been watching like, mm. The Clone Wars animated series. I watched Ooh, the some Mandalorian. Of, I watched I season that. one and part of season two, but I never actually finished Mandalorian. But yeah, it would include Mandalorian. It would include like um, Obi Wan, Ahsoka, Tales of a Jedi. But I, I've been watching mostly the Clone Wars and then Rebels, and um, I read a couple comics. Mm. So, but the point is that a deep dive. Yeah, well, I wanted more of a detail on Darth Vader's character, but there's just oh, the universe yeah, is so huge. Yes, he's my favorite character. Oh, really? Yeah. How so? <laughs> Well, um, I don't actually know much, so. Well, yeah, I'll go a little bit into it. I think one of the reasons why he's such a good character is because, um, is because one is that he has a, he has a redemption arc. So what's complex about him is that, what's complex about him is that he is, he, he has a good heart and he's, um, He is a, a, a orphan. Well, okay, sorry. He grew up without a dad, and he grew up as a slave. That's right. Anakin. Anakin, yeah. And what happens is that Qui-Gon comes to Tatooine. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, they come to Tatooine, and they meet this boy, and they eventually set him free from his slavery because he's so strong in the Force, and they believe he's this child of prophecy who will bring balance to the Force. Mm-hmm. And... They set him free from his slavery and train him to become a Jedi. The problem is that you're not allowed to train. You're not allowed to train people who've reached like he's. I think he's like um, nine years old, and they start to train him. Mm-hmm. You can't start training someone when they're nine because they've developed too many attachments. So for him, mm-hmm. primarily, it's his attachment to his mom. Mm-hmm. And the Jedi philosophy is that attachments can lead to the dark side because when you have attachments, you have a fear of losing that person. And when you're too afraid to lose someone, it causes you to turn to a sort of Machiavellianism where, like, for instance, like, let's say ultimately what leads to Anakin's downfall is that he's so it's Padme. It's Uh, exactly what we talked about earlier, which is that she is his everything because his full circle. Yeah, it comes full circle. Yeah, yeah, it comes. Well, that's probably actually why we actually ended up on this topic is that she is his everything because his mom died. And he feels guilty for letting his mom die. Like, he feels like he was not powerful enough to stop his mom from dying. Mm-hmm. And then he, the Jedi Council kind of didn't have faith in him. And um, and so he, you know, the, the two things in his life were his mom, and then it was, like, being a Jedi, and then it was Padme. But then also there was this other evil guy who kind of became a father figure that he never had. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Anyway, but basically what happens is because she is his everything, he feels like he just can't live without her. Mm-hmm. And so he ends up making a deal. Oh, no. He doesn't really that make... Never goes well. He basically makes a deal with the devil and mm-hmm. and in exchange for the power to save her. And so he Wait, tur- is she in danger? She is in danger in the sense that he has a vision that he she's going to die, in, she's gonna die in childbirth. Oh, and okay. so, and his... Prof, his, his he's, because he's strong in the force, he can kind of see the future... And so um, sometimes he gets visions of the future. And so what happens is that 
the evil guy promises him that he can help him save his wife if like you know they work together right mm. so then he has he basically slaughters a bunch of people because he has to save his wife um but the reason why he's such a good character is like you know deep down he's a good person but he has he's always has this conflict between between the light doing the right thing mm. and giving into his passion his passion which is his wife his right? wife but sometimes it's other things sometimes it's his it's his um it's his zeal sometimes it's like he wants to win the war so it's not always about his wife which is another reason why he's somewhat of an honorable character is that sometimes he is willing yeah sometimes he's willing to put his wife in danger in order to let's say save the um you know save people and i think that you see this conflict in him all the time even when he becomes like a sith lord later in his life and eventually he has a redemption arc where he kills the he kills the bad guy who is the emperor um, who kind of was the source of all his misery um and who had enslaved the galaxy but he the point is that we were talking about a choice and that when you're confronted with these like very these like crisis times we have a choice to give in to like darkness and compromise on our our ethics in order to alleviate our pain in the short term so like for instance that uncertainty that we talked about is can be so crippling that we resort to doing evil things in order to mitigate it so for him his wife was still alive but she was about to die at least in his mind she was about to die and so that anxiety was so strong he was like no i cannot deal with the uncertainty that she might die and i might be alone like forever mm-hmm. that i'm gonna like like i hate that i have to do this but i'm gonna kill people so that she can stay alive and did it work you have to watch it for yourself no no, <laughs> <laughs> no. okay i see now why like Darth Vader is so interesting and it's really it's really interesting because this is the first time I've ever heard anyone say that Darth Vader has an honorable side yeah I feel like he does yeah for everyone else I was like oh killed a bunch of kids pretty pretty done he's he's over after that but yeah this is the first time I've heard of anything redemptive yeah you have him. to you have to like watch his story you get a lot more into his character if you watch the Clone Wars animated series on Disney plus mm-hmm. um you'll see a lot more of his personality mm-hmm. come out in those um but yeah um there are other reasons why i like him too yeah yeah it's it's better than i thought i didn't become i wasn't a star wars fan until until like starting um last year so thanks for the great wreck that was such a good like rundown of his like background and stuff yeah yeah i think um honestly that sounds like an impossible choice like how are you supposed to pick between the love of your life and like i don't know what's the other thing (laughs) i don't even know what the other killing a bunch of people right correct yes yeah that's just an impossible choice like this makes me have so much more empathy for him than than like i ever did as a kid (laughs) yeah yeah no you have to well that's the thing about all villains is that um they generally have a story and if you if you were able to see like we can only see behind the scenes because it's a show Mm. but if for all villains if you really looked at their backstories and their upbringing and the things that have happened in life it becomes more understandable why they turned out the way that they did um it doesn't justify them right but you can understand it better it's scary because then it's like oh i can easily see how you know like just you and i like we can go down that path correct yeah for the right reason but like maybe maybe not worth you know yeah correct well and that's why that's why actually one of the reasons why i like anakin's character too is that um you know some of the emotions that he feels like and and the the characteristics that he feels like i feel um i can relate to um and totally yeah i would never be able to choose between like you know my partner and like I, don't, I still don't know what the other other. Well, it's, it's it's complicated, right? Because because <laughs> um, 
anyway, I'm, I'm not going to go into the story, but the point is, yeah, we're always confronted with these um, these choices, and everyone is, and and we all are, we actually are confronted with these choices, whether we realize it or not. So, for instance, like um, most people, they focus a lot on their nuclear family, mm. like with their resources, and and like after they become married, their entire life becomes about like their spouse and their kids, and. <sighs> Isn't that scary? That is terrifying. Like, <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. Like, it just seems so terrifying. Like, maybe it's also just, like, the thought of, like, that life, like, in the future. You know, where, like, you know, it's just you and your family. Like, yeah. maybe a barbecue here and there with the neighborhood. Uh -huh. And that's it forever. Yeah. It just seems so vinyl to me right now. Yeah, know. well, I mean, I don't think it should be like that. And what I'm saying is that um, we can make our families an extension of ourselves and, and be self-absorbed in the sense that, okay, it's just me and my family. Because what I'm trying to say is that Anakin had a choice between the life, the love of his life, living, and maybe a future with her, mm -hmm. and doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that we are confronted with that choice even now, every day, that we are confronted with this choice of, do I only care about, like, the things important only, to me, or right. do I care about the greater right. good more? Right. right. And so like, we like are confronted with that. Things immediately close to me, things that actually affect me. Yeah, well, because for some instance, he's like, he's basically saying that... Um, you know, my wife and my life and my feelings, my pain mm. is greater than your pain, mm. right? Well, well, is he saying that? Well, he's not. Well, he's not saying that, but he, implicitly there is that, right? Because, right. right, because in some sense, right? Because he's like basically saying this. He's more like at the. I'm willing to do anything to like make sure I have what I need, which is my wife alive. Like, I, I don't know if he's necessarily saying like my pain is bigger than yours but i mean he, well, you're right you're implicitly in saying so, that, yeah and killing all those people he's like yeah like i don't care about your pain but i feel like for him i don't know well that's what i'm saying is that well what i'm saying is that sometimes our pain is so overwhelming because i mean he's a smart guy so he he knows like the cost of, he like, knows the actions. cost of his actions that's like true. and but what he does is he justifies himself he justifies himself through like mental gymnastics which i think mm -hmm. we, we do too and what i'm saying is that so would you lean towards like just letting if you were in his shoes, you think yeah. he did the wrong thing. Like, he went down the wrong path. He, de he definitely went down the wrong path. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Not for, that's not even a question. But do you think, like, the right thing to do would have been to just let his wife die? Well, that's, yes. And well, and that's what's hard about, about ethics, is that um, a lot of times what I think being virtuous is, is bearing suffering and pain so that mm -hmm. others don't have to. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, mm -hmm. in this case, he would have to, go through the pain of losing his wife. I mean, if you know the story, she actually wouldn't have died if he... If, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that would suck. He wouldn't, <laughs> she wouldn't that. have, but you know, he can't know that, right? So, yeah. but the point is that let's, let's assume that his vision, like, his vision was ambiguous, which is why it's, like, uncertain. Oh. But the point is that let's say she was going to die for certain. Mm -hmm. Part of doing the right thing is saying, okay, wait, if I have to choose between, like, the deaths of these millions of people and... Or like let's say not even deaths, but like the suffering of these millions of people, or like the suffering of me and my wife. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do the right thing, and like, like it's not necessarily the right thing to do, but I think a lot of times it is, where it's like, okay, we're gonna go through the suffering so they don't have to. But yeah. most people, I think, well, not I'm not gonna say most people, but I'm saying that a lot of times people in that situation are not strong enough to say, okay, I'm gonna go through the grief so that these people can like be safe oh but a lot of times the heroes in in stories are the people who can do that and i'm saying that um we have to know our limitations and actually it's hard to know what we would do in those situations right. and i don't know what i would do like i i think that a healthy me a healthy me maybe could do the right thing but an unhealthy me is going to choose me 
over the million people and i've seen and i've seen that darkness in myself and i think that it's not until you really are aware of that darkness that you can um really start to choose the light i think do you think like that's just part of being human like having that darkness within all of us like that selfishness i think so yeah i I think so too (laughs) i think like if i were put in that situation yeah i have no idea what i'm gonna do it's really it's really easy for me to say like now like yeah of course i'll do the right thing but i don't know yeah Yeah, i don't think i don't think we really can know ourselves or others until we're tested Mm. yeah have you been tested recently um i don't think i've been I don't think I've been tested in any, any like large ways like these types of things, but I get tested in small ways. And I would say a lot of times I do the wrong thing. Um, sometimes I do the right thing, so it's it can go either way. But um, I don't know if I've had any like these really pivotal tests. Because I mean, they, like for instance, this kind of situation that he was in is like right. in like a archetypal. It's so extreme. It's the so extreme. Journey, but yeah. in this, his case, the villain's yeah. journey. And and one reason, and that's actually another interesting point. The reason why he he gets that choice is because he has so much power right so for instance if you're like if you're some nobody who lives in the middle of nowhere with no connections and no power like your like big decisions in life don't impact that many people but like when you're one of the strongest most powerful people in the galaxy your big moment decisions in your life affect right. a lot of people right. like, let's, like let's, say, yeah. let's say you're like trump or something right it's like mm-hmm. or putin and it's like mm-hmm. you have the charisma and the connections or the upbringing and the money to like rise to the top mm-hmm. and like now you have the power to push the button well now who you are as a character like who your character is who you are as a person mm-hmm. the decisions you make you know the, your emotional maturity determines the fate of millions of people and actually putin in putin's case that was true because he chose to wage an unjust war and you know tens of thousands of people died like mm-hmm. pretty much for no reason and so that's what I'm, that's like kind of my point is that you know if you're an average american and you're emotionally immature and you're like narcissistic and haven't dealt with your shit yeah like maybe you you know cause some money problems and your kids end up a little bit messed up but when you're like the president or like you know putin Mm -hmm. you know tens of thousands if not more die right yeah so it's like if you have like that level of power you have an even bigger responsibility to Mm -hmm. like understand like the impact of your choices yeah. And I would I would definitely argue you have like more of a responsibility to do the right thing because that's mm-hmm. what a leader is, right? Like yeah. you're supposed to be there to take care of your country, what is best for them, like not what's best for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think the sad part is that um these kinds of people, like the narcissistic kinds, like they become leaders. Correct. And and actually that's um a manifestation of of us. Because we're the people who put them in power. Um in a lot of ways. I'm not gonna say it's like in a lot of ways that's true in the sense that they wouldn't be in the positions they are if we weren't who we are you get what i mean by that yeah, yeah. that's really interesting like what do you think about like the way that we are it makes us choose like these leaders that are always so um they're there like just i don't know they're well, there like for their egos yeah that's a good question i have some here's some of my reasons i think that one is that we want what they what they represent what they what they seem to have so for instance trump trump represents confidence he represents money Mm -hmm. he represents competence uh he's very witty so like if you watch like his debate against hillary like his comebacks are like fast and like everybody laughs when he says these jokes Mm -hmm. and even in tough spots he he finds a way to wiggle out of them Mm -hmm. and so we look at that and we go like i wish i could do that 
Mm. But part of it also is that um, he was entertaining. I think that was one reason too. Right. And I think TV nowadays, yeah, TV personality, very grandiose. Like he always is talks in extremes. So he has a lot of black and white thinking that we talked about earlier, which is like, you know what? He's like, oh, if I were president, this war would be over in like one day. So he's like, <laughs> he makes these really crazy statements, but people will eat it up. And I think um, we want things to be simple. So for instance, he basically deceives the crowd into think, saying like, okay, if I'm president, Mm -hmm. I'll make America great again. All mm -hmm. your poverty problems, I'll make it go away like that. Like, I know the tax laws better than anyone. Look at me, I have a billion dollar empire. Like, I can fix all your problems. And people want to believe that. Right? We, all, yeah. we, we want to believe that. And yeah. we are more likely to believe people who, who, who promise that when we're suffering. And so there's a lot of... That's so sad. It's yeah. like that desperation like, just makes you want to believe that there's like that one size fits... Like that cure mm -hmm. that fits cure, everything yeah. and it's in Trump. Correct, yeah. And so... That's and I remember how I said how a lot of what being virtuous means is being able to embrace suffering so that others don't have to. Mm, it right. would it would be something like that where it would be like okay I have this choice between this leader and this leader, and I know that this leader is better for the country, but if we elect this leader, I'm going to suffer personally more. It's mm. doing the right thing, but but when you get someone like Trump. You might even go like, yeah, you know what? Trump is going to be good, let's say, for my business because he's going to lower corporate taxes. <laughs> and so, like, I'm tired right. of, like, all this uncertainty of, like, not knowing if my business is going to succeed. So I'm going to vote for Trump or get Trump into office because I'm worried about my business. And so I want right. to mitigate my suffering even at the expense of these other people. And so that's why right. Right. I was saying that we we're all confronted with that um, decision, these kind of um, ethical decisions, like, pretty much every day. Yeah. yeah, every day. It's very interesting. I feel like we can all walk away like from this, like, you know, living our lives like a little more carefully, like noticing like those tiny decisions, you know, and thinking about the impacts and the mm -hmm. reasons, the underlying subconscious reasons underneath. Yeah. Um, I think, I think we're, we're almost at time, but did you have, um, did you have anything that you wanted to share about, um, you know, because I wanted to give you, we, we went off a lot, a, lot, a lot of tangents and I talked a lot. So I wanted to kind of use the last few minutes to see if you had anything that you wanted to share from your life that could help people who are younger um, or might have, you know, might be going through something that you went through. Like you had mentioned depression. Um, you had talked about like losing friends. So maybe there's some wisdom that you could share with us. Mm. Let's see. Or maybe actually this might not be a good one. Is like how do you how do you like how do you reconcile with your mom or like deal with like my parents? Yeah, tension with parents or things like that. Yeah, you know, the first first it was it took time. Like I, I in college I, I barely spoke to them. And then they kept like I guess hurting me mm -hmm. in ways where I was like, Okay, like I can't I can't I just need space. And um I can't lie and say I was not angry and I was not like resentful I blamed a lot of things rightfully a lot of things rightfully so like on them um so and then like one day I think I just I just realized like they were getting older and like I don't want to have things end on bad terms I I really I want the happy ending for us like mm -hmm. as as close as we can get to it and it really is like understanding that there is a lot of complexity like be behind like their the way that they are mm -hmm. the reasons why they did the things that they did there's a lot of reasons like why they yeah i think it was really just about 
hearing like their backstories, like seeing like the way that my parents or trying to understand the ways that like my parents grew up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and uh, of course, like it doesn't absolve them of all responsibility. Cause like, I think if you have a child, I think you, you definitely have a responsibility to like take care of them the best way that you know how mm -hmm. and not let those like subconscious parts, like, like literally control you and take over, mm -hmm. you know, until you are a monster. Like that is not absolutely not okay. And, but I think like understanding like the ways that they were hurt, the ways that, you know, mm -hmm. something, you know, something like growing up, like they were definitely impacted. And I, I still don't really know actually yeah, like yeah. what those backstories are, but what mm -hmm. I do know is like, there's also generational trauma. Yeah. Like, I was just talking about this with Kim the other day. Like she thinks that like, basically like we carry like the pain of all of our ancestors. Mm -hmm. Like, like, and that was such an interesting idea for me. Cause then it's like, I feel like just tracing back like my family history, there's like so much there, mm. like so many events, like major things they went through from the cultural revolution. Like my grandpa was like literally like, I think the Japanese like killed, like they, when they were invading China, mm -hmm. like they, they, they kidnapped him after killing his village mm. or something. And they like took him with, with them mm. as they went around, like, you know, pillaging villages mm. And just what that does to you, you know, like I can't even imagine. Yeah. So yeah, understanding yeah. like, you know, they we come from like like very, it was very recent too. Like it yeah. was so recent that yeah, that happened. That's not that long ago, yeah. Uh, yeah, understanding yeah. that, right? Like it helps me be like a little more. I can see why like they think they're good parents, <laughs> mm -hmm. like like just doing what that what they do. Like to mm -hmm. them, I think just this roof over my head, yeah. you know, like giving me forcing me to play violin, mm -hmm. like these are these are markers of being a good parent um and then like maybe the emotional aspect to them it's like eh, whatever yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so yeah i think ultimately though it's like it takes like so much patience like mm -hmm. sometimes like my parents still do things that like really irk me and i'm just like i just need space then like mm -hmm. then it's like okay i can only take this in doses because it brings up so many uncomfortable feelings mm -hmm. right like when i know i'm gonna say something like really mean like i just Okay, I'm gonna take some space now, and like maybe I'll talk to you like once a week, mm. <laughs> at most. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, but ultimately, I think like I see that they love me in their own ways, um, and I'm grateful for that. Like at the very least, like they care. They definitely care. But mm. also, it's like hard for me to remember a lot of like the issues we had growing up. Like I literally cannot remember it. Like it's all just like kind of gone. I don't know. Eh. I can't access those memories, mm. um, but maybe one day I will, and maybe one day I will be, I will level up again and change again. Mm. But yeah, um, I think like ultimately, like it, it's like up to like each person, like they can choose to like reconcile with their family or not. Because like some would, I, I'm sure some would argue that like in my shoes, like they wouldn't want that. Like they would probably advocate for no contact. Mm. Um, but yeah, to me, it's like what I value is everyone being on good terms and i don't know if that's wrong or like a good thing but it is what i want for sure wow yeah i mean i hope that things just get better and better from here for you guys and yeah i think it's tricky because i said like i said earlier um like once you're past your 40s like it becomes very hard to change and so it can be like disheartening mm -hmm. when you're just like oh like why is it still like this? And that's true. Oh yeah, you can't be like you will be disappointed if yeah. you expect them to change. Exactly. Like I, yeah. I also don't bring up anything like from the past. Like I just kind of like 
like know that this is how they are like yeah. i'm not gonna be able to get that apology you know for certain things from the past like i'll never admit it but so, did you ask for it no never i think i did it when i was like younger like mm -hmm. as a kid when i had more fight but like now it's like, like i know i know what was okay and what was not okay mm -hmm. um and it's like enough Mm -hmm. And yeah, my parents have their limitations. They're just human. Well, yeah, I'm really proud of you for, um, you know, how far you've come and yeah. being able to forgive your parents and keep, yeah, you're still doing therapy. That's like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, you too, Daniel. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm I really, think... really like looking forward to like your like podcast and like all of these like hobbies too that like you have. I'm so excited for you. Mm, thanks, Laura. Hopefully it. it's only up and up from here for both of us. Hope, well, you know, I, obviously that's always the hope. But ups and downs, but we come ups back Ups and up. downs, but up on average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for coming. I um, always love talking to you, and I'm just oh, glad that like other you. people get to, get to hear. Too. Yeah, I feel like we talked about so many interesting things today. Like, I hope it wasn't too, like, uh, tangents. But I, like, I, I personally like, like tangents. Right, really? Yeah. So that's what I like. I no, don't know I feel like, like you it. had so many good sound bites in there. You know, I feel like I can see them on YouTube Shorts or like on TikTok or something. Okay, you know? well, I'll parse through it and maybe make some make some reels and and shorts. Um, yeah. You too. So we'll look. Maybe we'll look through it together. Um, what else was I gonna say? Maybe we'll do it again sometime too. Just yeah. Yeah. I'd be down. Like more guests too. Yeah. That'd be so interesting. Like we're. I don't know. Just you. You can discuss anything. Like you talk about you anything. literally do anything on your podcast. Very cool. Okay. Okay. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored.